listening to The Chartographers. You're listening to The Chartographers, music-loving podcast, music-loving people, worst to first, thing that we do, ranking albums, it's fun, it's great, you should join us, except, you know, unless you know something about something, if you don't know anything, then why? Stay away from us. What the fuck are you <laughs> even saying? <laughs> so Mary. guys, listen, we are on uh, part two of our Harry Nilsson journey of ranking his entire discography, uh, 14 albums, and on the last episode, we got through half of it, we got through seven, we got through spots number eight through 14, it was awesome, it was a great debate, uh, but now we're down to the top seven, before anything else, you're listen to part two right now some of you just want to know the number one album i know please do us a favor and listen to part one because it had a lot of great discussions a lot of great background because we're just going to jump we right did, into we did talk about a couple of the albums that we'll be ranking right now so so yeah it will might don't be surprised if we kind of jump right into it suddenly uh we're not going to name those other seven albums or what their rankings are but we are going to talk about the number seven albums that we have right here which is his debut pandemonium shadow show from 1967 aerial ballet from 1968 harry from 1969 the point from 1971, Nielsen Schmielsen from 1971, Sean Schmielsen from 72, and Sandman, kind of surprisingly, at 1976. Uh, so we are now down to our number seven slot. Uh, so we got seven albums left. Uh, Taryn, mm-hmm. out of curiosity, yeah. what would you nominate in our number seven slot? Okay, so um, I think that this, I don't think it's going to get too much pushback, but I guess I have no idea. I would put Sandman next. Um, it's it's good. It's as we can see, it's the best of the post twisty post blowout yeah. 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 albums, but it still is in that echelon. Right. And so I you know, while I I'd really like a couple of the things on here, I think Will She Miss Me is stunning. I think that the orchestration and the way that the strings move on there are is like really inventive almost like it definitely doesn't sound like it was made by a classical composer it sounds like i mean the way that the cellos are working on there is all really cool something um, true is great i think i really know, like something true. Yeah. i remember when i was talking with jc about it because we had slight disagreements about the later material uh-huh. but like after going back sandman was the one, only one that did surprisingly grow on me mm-hmm. i think yeah. as far as like his weird, like, post-like island retirement, like, streak of albums. I think I find this one the most engaging. I think the lyrically is actually one of his better, more engaging albums in general. I mm-hmm. think lyrically, just because yeah. I, I think like his sense of humor actually comes through successfully through most of these songs. Yeah. Um, I think like "I'll Take a Tango" is like a fun kind of goofy song. Where it's like one also because he's like talking shit about rock music, yeah, but like right in, off the bat. and saying yeah. he wants a tango, but the song that he's playing on is clearly not a tango. Right, <laughs> right. right. It's, it's that that weird island bullshit that yeah. we got from Do It on Monday. Yeah, and uh, but thankfully that's not what this whole album is. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is that I think we were all surprised because I feel like Sandman, like, well, there are lighter moments on the other albums. This album, he feels like he's having actual fun. Uh, because genuinely, aside from the better version of Jesus Christ, You're Tall, which was on Do It On Monday, uh, fucking How To Write A Song, this ramshackle <laughs> piece of just comedy <laughs> bullshit that's um, 
amazing. Which I, I love yeah. that one because it reminds me of a Ween song. Yeah! Like, it sounds like something like Ween could do like early on yeah, just fucking around. Yeah. For sure. You gotta write a song, <laughs> don't is, play it on piano. This is basically, a, in some ways, it's a comedy album. Yeah, I mean, to um, a degree. I mean, I, well, to, I mean, to a degree. I mean, but I think I'll, that, you know, my, my theoretical train wreck trilogy, I think they're all supposed to be kind of humorous. I think that's like definitely what Harry was going for. Sure. This was um, his Neil Young on Gethin period. And I think... I think of those three records, this one is definitely the most successful of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because I think it also, it has, I'm always going to like a bleak, almost post-apocalyptic song with uh, a happy chord structure. So, yeah. zombie get, jamboree? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about pretty soon there'll be nothing left for everybody, which yeah. is a, about climate change, right? Yeah. It's about how we're ruining the planet. Yeah. There's going to be yeah. nothing Something left. like that, yeah. Yeah, and I, but I think it's a really fun melody. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a fun little ditty. It has nice production. Once again, the orchestra. I think it's also, it's not as, it doesn't have any many songs that are as like a huge drag, or even if they're not bad songs, it's not as many like downer right. moments totally. on yeah. this. Like, whereas like some of the other ones, like, I mean, like, you get schmaltz in all of Nelson albums, but I yeah. think, like, some of them have, like, some really indulgent fucking, like, down-and-out numbers mm-hmm. that um, that I have, I'm not as attached to right. compared to this, where it's, like, I think it is, it does make you feel like you're more in the party than I feel like I do when I'm in, like, Do It On Monday. Yeah. And even, like, Ivy Covered Walls, not my favorite song, but the production yeah. choice on there, we have all these people talking in a bunch, like, kind of like this whole, yeah. like, choir, you know, like, mm-hmm. or, you know, college group thing. I like it for at least the sonically yeah. what it's trying to do, Hey, you know? so what do you guys think of his accent on the Flying Zoster <laughs> song? Hey, man. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> man, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, so... Flying Zoster song... You know... Like, All six mm, minutes of it. Uh, no, okay, so that's exactly what I was about to say. For a minute and a half, that could have been entertaining. Once you get to once you get to minute fucking five of Hey man, I I just order a drink. can't believe and you know honestly, honestly I like this album and Flying Saucer Song like really holds it back from being any higher. Like, honestly, like, it's such a waste of space. I accept that I like it when it's not fucking around, though. Like, when it, like, when it does, like, that weird, like, I don't even know if it's a chorus, if you'd even call yeah, it that. When Just he, like when, when he it, sings? Yeah, when he starts actually singing on it, like, it's kind of cool, but I'm totally with you. And you're like, dude, is it, like, really five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, that's the thing is, it's, even the, the concept, the story of the song, like, I get it, but, like, once you're introducing the third character... What's also <laughs> fucked up is that... Spoken it's, word, guys. It's fucked up that it's written. That's yeah. the weird part to me, is that if you... I remember, like, I was listening to a version of, uh, which was it, Son of Schmilson, and there's, like, like the extend the RCA oh, yeah. version has, like, yeah. some bonus tracks, yeah. which yeah, has yeah. a different, even worse version of that <laughs> on that one, and, uh, and I'm like, and I'm like, oh, wow, somebody literally wrote five minutes of dialogue, like, down to, like, the improv and, like, the specific lines and the line at the end like hey are you Ringo Starr when are you gonna get the Beatles together <laughs> uh, yeah. it's one of those things where, like it is a terrible song of course you do it's Although, fucking of weird like it's it. weird nowhere it's just like it's, fuck them crazy it's you got very hip hop you've got him, you got him screaming what? in the back he's like yeah what I also what I also felt about S- Sandman when listening to this is that I also feel like it does feel like a weird, almost natural evolution ten years later from Shadow Show. 
in a weird way, just like like the down and out version of Shadow Show, just okay. like a different lounge. Like instead of like doing like the Playboy Mansion, uh-huh. he's now at fucking Margaritaville <laughs> doing like the same. <laughs> <laughs> You've made so many great points tonight. I'm just so happy. You're so. He's angry. almost gonna forgive for the hip hop thing. But more importantly, though, um, like the thing is, Sandman. Of the, I'm kind of honestly so surprised that it is all the way up in the top seven. I genuinely am, and I don't have a problem with it. It's like nice. But the question is, is that like. What else do we have? I know JC was throwing some fucking shade earlier at a couple different albums there, but does anyone else have any other... Oh, yeah, didn't you n- nominate Shadow Show? Yeah, Shadow yeah, Show and, and Son of Schmilson. Yeah. yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're getting there, but... Right, exactly. Anyone they're, both, else? they're both pretty uneven. Does anyone I else think. have any other nominations but for number seven? I like them both. I, I'm but cool with the point. I think that... Uh, um, to be fair, though, like, I could go either way. I, know, I, I, I feel like... Honestly, I, Sandman could be a number seven now, but I feel like the point would have to be next. Honestly, that's kind of where I'm I'm like between. I'm between right now, Son of the Point, and that's the way it is. Although son I would of the Point. <laughs> son of, no, I would. Uh, <laughs> or like those three: the Point, Son of, and that's the way. Or Sandman. I was like, just saying. Yeah. It's like that's the way it is. Yeah. Was literally number fourteen. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler. Um. Yeah, I'm personally a bigger. I think I'd put Schmi- Son of Schmilson higher than. Sandman, though. Oh, for sure, me too. Yeah, I would put Son of Schmilson a couple slots higher, honestly. Genuinely, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm, I would be more ready to put Shadow Show if we're talking about that. Honestly, Shadow Show or maybe Harry. Oh, okay. We haven't even really talked about Shadow Show, so let's. Before we, before we rank, okay. well, are we are we saying Shadow would, Show is possibly below? I would Sandman? not be voting. I, for, for I would me, not. Yeah, be, yeah. I would not be. Okay, listen. For I'm just gonna throw a vote out there for Sandman at seven. I'm just gonna do. Yeah, that. I think the three of us are in agreement. So let's do. That I thing. think that's. I mean, I think it's still an impressive ranking. Nothing yeah, things considered. I'm happy with it, honestly. And I honestly, the be fair, like that's one. I the only one I still kind of want to go back and like kind of see like, like what more I can more, yeah. what more I can get out of it because I'm like still finding weird things to yeah. really enjoy about that album. Yeah. I think the one the albums that I think were the biggest the ones that grew on me the most were probably that one, Son of and Pandemonium were the ones that I'm like, oh that like oh there's like way more here than I think I originally anticipated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, cool. In that case, let's lock in Sandman, whatever JC says. It doesn't matter. Uh, seven, <laughs> Sandman at number seven. Sandman at number seven. Love that. Great. Okay. <laughs> you usually get yeah. outvoted. I know. And we love you for <laughs> it. You're, you're, listen, you're the chartographer's pinata, and it's a I, great job that you do. It's, uh, I did not think those two would get above Nilsson Sings Newman, but... Yeah, hey, yeah. you know what? Different universe, baby. Dark timeline. <laughs> so here's the other thing, though. Before we even rank anything or have nominations, you threw it out there. Let's just talk about Pandemonium Shadow Show. Because I have a lot of feelings about this thing. When you talk about just a psychedelic pop album, when you throw those words out there, I'm like, oh man, that sounds awesome. I want to know what that is. And I remember when I saw that Nielsen documentary so many moons ago, like immediately I left it and it's just like, dude, I got to fucking order this goddamn box set of his because I got to have all, yeah. go ahead, uh, all of the goddamn Harry Nielsen albums. And so when I put on Pandemonium Shadow Show, I don't know what I was expecting. I enjoy Pandemonium Shadow Show quite a bit. I really, really do. But you know what? Every time I come back to it, every single time, almost without compare, it's an album that I'm constantly like, I should be loving you more than I am. And I honestly haven't been able to articulate why it's not like my favorite out there amazing album. There's a lot of things I really like on here. I mean, first off, it has some... I mean, Ten Little Indians as an opener is 
fine. I like it. You know, it's okay. But when you get into 1941, which is kind of this classic pop songwriting, very autobiographical, mm-hmm. and especially Cuddly Toy, this, like, this dark-ass song, which is basically about, bitch, you ain't special. That's kind of the summation yep. of what it is, exactly. <laughs> and it's kind of amazing, honestly, for that reason. Uh, and, and then, of course, let's also talk about the current Nielsen themes that come up in a lot of songs. There's going to be a lot of songs about cowboys. There's going to be a lot of songs about uh, waking up or getting out of bed. That is a lot of recurring thing that comes up a lot. So, sleep late, my lady. I really, I I connect with Nielsen in that way because he's an alcoholic who doesn't like waking up. Same here. There there should be more songs about waking up. I remember I've said that there should be more songs about work sucks. Yeah. He needs more about that. And he needs songs about waking up. Yeah. Who needs it? Yeah. I mean, genuinely. <laughs> but, and, but the one thing, I, for whatever reason, I completely forgot this song was on here. And part of the reason we're like, there's a there's a little bit of fat on Pandemonium. There is. But for whatever reason this week, I almost forgot, holy shit, Without Her wasn't a fucking Beatles cover. That song sounds like a classic yeah. the also, second you hear it. Also, I, very I, good. I think that like that chorus on Sleep Late, My Lady Friend is one of my favorite Nilsons one where he's like, uh, the, we had the time, the time of our lives. We did the time. And those, the way the horns come in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, um, I, yeah, I just, this is one that I used to think was like, I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's cool, but it's not like, I don't think it's as developed as some of his other words. He's still learning, but I think there's just kind of like a chill factor. Yeah. Like, yeah, that charm. And also just like, I got really into like Bossa Nova over like, mm-hmm. like the last year and like Bossa Nova was still kind of somewhat popular around this time and you still had like Bossa Nova albums charting. So there's like weird shit that's like mildly inspired by like these weird like fifth and 13th chords going on there, especially like... Uh, without her is like in a weird way the way he plays the guitar that way sleep late my lady friend and there's just like this total lounge aspect yeah especially when you think of some of the people that might have been influenced influenced by harry it kind of like reminds me of like like the, the 2010s chill wave like dude like mac demarco like there's kind oh. of like <laughs> yes, yeah totally this <laughs> yeah. album specifically yeah uh just stuff like yeah I, and i used to think like uh I think there definitely is some fat. I think it's a little bit all over the place, but I think that like once you get into it, I think he's really on some insanely clever shit. Mm-hmm. That's like, and also on top of that, just how important it is to just his growth as an artist. Mm-hmm. I think like there's just a lot of stuff. Like it is almost like the template for like the next few things, and everything is kind of an expansion Absolutely. off these ideas. Yeah. And and more than because they were both covered by the monkeys, I feel like. Uh, Daddy's song was sort of an expansion of what the idea of cuddly toy, not or, not yeah, concept wise, yeah. but musically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I I think she sang hymns out of tune. Totally feels like something that would be like white album almost. Even yeah. though I know yeah. that was after okay. that, but yeah, 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 it feels yeah. it feels yeah. like something that could have been on a Beatles record. I, I, I t- touching on what you said, Taryn, um, how Daddy's song is kind of like a more developed version of cuddly toy. That's kind of how I feel about the whole album in terms of Errol Ballet basically being just like a way superior version of Pandemonium. I don't, show. And, um, yeah. so I don't think you're entirely wrong on there because it's stylistically even, very similar. Right, but, but even in interviews they talk about like after like the Beatles were saying like oh yeah Pandemonium Shadow shows the shit Harry got way more confident and that confidence yeah. that, almost that yeah. swagger comes uh, off on Errol He covered Ballet. two of their songs which yeah. I don't really 
care for either of them. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think, you know. Like, she's leaving home. Like, really, did we need a cover of that? Yeah. Especially because or especially just like it's that. not any better. Or just like, it's like the exact arrangement is like the part of yeah. I, re- yeah. I mean, I really like that song. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. like, it's like, it's just why do the same version? Yeah. Um, they, uh, no, I, I, um, but I think it's also when I listen to it, I think I can understand, like, why Nielsen, like, was so magnetic and why people were so interested in who this guy was yeah. at yeah, this that's, time. That's mm-hmm. well, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, Pandemonium Shadow Show is absolutely, it's the kind of album that people wanted in 1967. Yeah, yeah. And there's something, like, very original about it, particularly for its time. Um, I like the circus atmosphere, too, that's sort mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. that was kind of... Maybe not super different. I mean, I know the Beatles yeah. just did it kind of on Sgt. Pepper, but, you okay. know. I also really like It's Been So Long. I yeah. I think that's, a, especially, Same here. that's one yeah. of the, the Actually, first, yeah, that's, that's one that, of the earliest really times good. where you're like, oh, you can fucking sing. Like, mm-hmm. he really, like, wails a bit on that one. I also think that's some of his most, actually some of his most complex um, harmonies are just layering, I think, come from these weird moments at the end of, like, these choruses. Like, that one, like, after he gets done singing and he just starts layering that is really wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, also, I'm not really that hot about River Deep Mountain High. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, yeah. right because it's, you know, is that the, that's not the Specter one. Is the Phil Specter one's the the. No, no, no. That's just, the yeah. Phil Specter one's River Deep Mountain High. Yeah. Well, that but River he worked Deep with Phil Specter actually. That's, a lot also, of people. that's yeah. also a classic song. Yeah, though. I think yeah. it starts off. Oh, it starts off all right, but once he kicks it in, I just think it's a fucking mind blowing song. Like once he starts like ramping up the vocals and like the band. <laughs> but the kicks thing up. is, like I've heard a bunch of people yeah. do it better. Mm-hmm. Like and that's what I that's when I say you know he 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 is a a very skilled vocalist but like I was mentioning earlier it, it, the actual sound of his voice isn't super distinctive so even yeah. when he's really wailing on River Deep Mountain High mm-hmm. I'm like okay but you're not, not like Tina you're Turner. not <laughs> Tina Turner you know like yeah. you're not you're not like someone who has yeah. like a powerhouse voice yeah. I don't know and that's I, what I feel I mean, like I think that's that's that has a virtuosic word. voice but yeah. I, mean, I, I, I disagree too. I think he has some insanely powerful like just heavy ass vocals through mm-hmm. like pretty much every album like uh, I, I mean I don't think it's he's not like doing like timber wise I, I get what Terrence said yeah though. How it's like I he knows. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He knows how to belt. <laughs> he can sing very well, but he he's he's not like knocking it out of the park. I disagree. After that breakdown, in that song, <laughs> like I, I kind of agree with John. Like once he, fucking, starts, yeah. once he starts, once he starts, it's pretty like, fucking it's, awesome. It's actually, but that's still okay. Kind of but that me, song in general. Before I'm not anything super else, though, crazy about. I mentioned how Pandemonium Shadow Show. I enjoyed it as an album. We're in the top six. This is a very good place. I do keep, There's. I don't keep coming back. I don't love it the same way. But honestly, when I'm looking at what we have left, though, there is one album that I would say definitely goes below it. And for me, that's got to be Harry. And, like, Harry, I feel like it's an interesting little take, because I feel like it's after kind of this confidence that he had with Ariel Ballet, he kind of goes back, he kind of, like, flips the script a little bit, he kind of goes into a little bit more, intro, like, introspective, a little bit more personal, a little bit more lighthearted, nostalgic, it's kind of a nice precursor, weirdly enough, to Sings Newman. Uh, I think that, you know, because there's a little bit of nostalgia kind of seeped into here, but when I look at this fucking album, I have a couple takeaways, particularly, uh, I guess, The Lord Must Live in New York City, a.k.a., you know, uh, everybody's talking part, you know, 
one, two, whatever well, version you want to talk about. That was the song yeah. he wrote for Midnight Cowboy. Exactly. And I said, no, we like uh, everybody's well, talking yeah. about I mean, it. Because so, it's, it's the song. I like it's it's a well, lesser he, rewrite well, of yeah. everybody's talking. Yeah, kind of. They, I still um, like it. Though. I think Harry. I like it a lot. I don't Harry's know. maybe the think one of the more challenging ones to get into, but mm-hmm. I think it's the most rewarding okay. of them once you get into because it's like also his most stripped down album. I think beside besides Sings Newman. Well, I think it's the closest you'd ever get to a live Harry Nilsson okay. album. Like you know, he doesn't really have as much of the backing vocals on there. There's like less theatrics, but you know, he's got like the Wrecking Crew band in there. He's like he's still got Jim Gordon on the drums. Everything's heavy, but like uh, it's more focused on the emotion and the songwriting. So you're not gonna get like as much of the flash, and which is why it's like like oh it's cool, but like it doesn't have all this and this. But once you break down to it, I think these are some of the songs that I think he felt. Between this and Newman, I think just when he actually feels attached to songs and like there's a real connection there is when you actually get some of the magic and the covers and the versions that he mm-hmm. does. And so if you could be like, yeah, maybe it's not flashy, but I think it's just his most raw album in a certain way. The, the peaks on this one are really high. Yeah. Morning Glory Story. I think that's fucking fucking I mean, great. Prostitutes need songs too. too. Morning well, Glory it, Story is absolutely like the songcraft. My probably my biggest takeaway from this. I agree, but I feel like this album it just doesn't. It's it, it's it's very nice. It's a very consistent experience, which is why it's this high. But it just doesn't. It doesn't bring the same oomph that I get from yeah. a lot of the other things. And I think that's why we're talking about it for number six. I personally would still put it above Shadow Show. Oh, wow. Um, I kind of would, too. Only because I think it's more, in a certain way, I don't think you get Nilsson Schmilson without Harry, in a certain way. Even besides that, yeah. I just think Harry's a more polished product. I think that oh, dude, I, I think that I can definitely like put this on and just leave it on and listen to it and enjoy the entire thing. Even if we get some, some things like, you know, Fairfax Rag, which is pretty love, basic... And I think I it's think it's like very LA yeah, that song. Huh? Yeah. yeah. So that's, I think I think another reason I why I like this album but don't love it is because there's a lot of very classic song structures on yeah. here. It's very Tim Pan Alley. Oh, very Tim like, Pan Alley. Yes. yes. I think also one of my it's the thing is it also has just got another one where it's like got a few of my favorites on there kind of once you get towards the end like Morning Glory but also Simon Smith and his amazing Dancing Bear is just a song that just like always gets me excited when I hear. It. I just think like that. Dr- I just think that drum beat, like that solo outro, is just like the wildest thing. And like, and wish for that, a Randy Newman song. A, yeah, I really like that song, but it, it also I know that song because of when it was on the Muppet Show. Yeah, <laughs> childhood. Yes, yeah, and Fozzie? and. That version is just so much more fun. <laughs> that like I really like. I feel like you got like these nostalgia goggles. I think these two records have a lot of nostalgia goggles. These two records have the same problems. Problems, in my opinion, that the peaks are really high, but then there's also kind of like some weird covers, and it's a little uneven. A little bit of fat. It's a little uh, bit of fat. Like Mr. Bojangles. Oh, yeah. I love that song, yeah. but... I love that Nilsson version. Yeah. That, oh, the Nitty Gritty yeah. Dirt Band one, I just think is just way better. Well, but, I mean, yeah. that's a whole... Well, different. I mean, there's also the Chet... I mean, there's a million versions of them. Yeah. I mean, the best What's one like, is the Chet Aikens version. But that's what I mean, though. It's yeah. like sometimes he'll like choose these yeah. covers, yeah. and it's when it's like a maybe a lesser-known song... 
I'm like, okay, it's like this is like really good, yeah. and I yeah. think he usually has a more original take on it. But if it's something that's already been done or I've heard better, I'm. It's sort of hard to like judge it in that I way. Know. You know, well, what I mean? especially yeah. because like, it's, like with some of these these songs that have been done by a million people, when he did them in 1969, it hadn't been done by a million people yet. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. still yeah. novel, but we're ranking this in 2018, and yeah. I think that, yeah, Harry has enough covers on it, it just doesn't connect with me as much. I think the one, I think before nominating that, I'd still either put The Point or Son of Schmilson, which I think also is about... I think all of these have the same amount of inconsistencies once you go in there. I think Pandemonium, Harry, and Son of Schmielsen should definitely occupy the next three spots. Um, I would I would nominate Son of, which is an album that I think is also another very rewarding album that's also maybe off-putting at first, but once you get like past like some of it, I think there's like a lot to act of charm to latch on to. Well, and I think Son of Schmielsen just doesn't open very well. I think that Take 54 is is fun, but pretty basic. Remember Christmas is completely disposable. Remember Christmas is... My thing is that this one has so many goofy moments. It has the most moments that of any album are like, what the fuck am I listening to? Because when he gets to, like, remember, he's like, it's just a dream. It's just a dream. Right, he does that, and then we immediately go into joy, which is absolutely which is absolutely a joke. But yeah, it was a joke because they actually released it on RCA's country label (laughs) under a different artist's name. Now then, they put it on the fucking Harry Nilsson album as Harry Nilsson. So it's like, what the fuck? I met a girl named Joy. She She took me by the hand and said, "You're my joy boy." (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's the thing though. it's supposed to be a joke. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but then, but then, it's a jerk off album. Basically. Like, no. See, the first three songs are a jerk off album, then and get then to you turn. get "Turn on Your Radio," yeah, which is one of so. the best songs he's ever ever written all time. Yeah. And here's oh. the thing, you motherfuckers. Son of Schmilson <laughs> is goddamn great, and I mean mostly, that truly, <laughs> absolutely. Here's the thing. Now we're gonna talk about. I feel like a lot of people are gonna talk about Ariel Ballet in terms of how he really came into his own as a pop force, and you're gonna talk about Nielsen Schmilson, the rock album, how a lot of other voices on there. Nielsen Schmilson, great album. I don't think it's perfect. That's one of the things I'm going to say. But one of the things about Son of Schmilson, it's sequel because it's called The Son of Schmilson, he has never been so overly weird. This is his divorce album. This is the one where the lead single was, you're breaking my heart, uh, you're tearing it apart, so fuck you. That was a lyric that was in there, which especially in 1972, that's really bold and daring. The thing is, the more I spend time with this goddamn album. The thing that's like, it's weird, it's out there, it's crass, he has a bunch of senior citizens saying, I'd rather be dead than wet my bed. Like, okay, what the jerk fuck? Off, Again, yeah. jerk off me, <laughs> however you want to call it. But the more time I spent with this fucking thing, I'm just like, man, there's like a boldness, a brashness, and honestly, kind of like this rawness to it, where like, it's played for last for jokes, but also like, it feels so authentic. It feels like, I'm like, fuck it, I'm just gonna put it out there. Here's the thing, I used to completely agree with you, but then I think what he was actually going for with this record, I actually think 
he did it better on those weird later records. So to me, I, those are more extreme versions of Son of Schmiel. I'd still get rid of about five songs on this album, though, is the thing. Five? I, I mean, yeah. Would, the get rid of Remember, Joy, Spaceman, and I'd Rather Be Dead. You don't like Spaceman? Space, I like Spaceman a lot. I like the, all right. Spaceman's not my favorite, yeah. but I really like the, and I don't remember the exact melody of it, but the part where he's like... Like, yeah. I think it's really fun. And the lottery is actually surprising. The lottery, yeah. the lottery song, song is surprisingly is a really yeah. great melody, and it's not a melody that you've heard a lot. Like, I, I think it's it's simple enough that you, I, I almost, yeah. I feel like it's surprising that yeah. there haven't been more songs that have sort of taken that, this, the template. that, that template, but... I really like the lottery song. I would say my favorite song in this album is Ambush. Ambush is I think it's kind of like awesome. a it's definitely yeah. a nice rowdy number and I think it's to be honest the only song that lives up to the quality of its predecessor. I I also really like At My Front Door. That's a good uh, one. I, I yeah. like which the the song itself is pretty unremarkable, you know, it's a it's a pretty standard blues rock. rock. Yeah, yeah, blues yeah. rock number, but the solos on that thing. Also just the energy. It's like it, it makes up yeah. for like a basic thing with a really good energy. It almost yeah. feels like not to mention the Beatles too much, but it all, it makes me think of like back in the USSR in that way where it takes like a very classic template and then just cranks it up to 11 and really like does like the best thing that you can with that type of song. It mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of like early 70s dead in a certain way. Like just like that piano, like that piano yeah. performance when you get in there. I think the middle part of this record is really strong, but I, I think it wanes towards the end. See, I, I, you know, I I I like I, the most beautiful world in the world. I don't think I think that they're all mostly fine songs that I don't feel as strongly about. Save a few. I feel like this album and it seems really weird, like particularly for when it was made. But I think he could have gone even further with it. I mean, this um, is still pretty goddamn extreme. And the thing is that I feel like this whole thing would be a weird fucking in-joke thing that's, like, bitter and raw and odd if it weren't for the fact that he still also dropped Turn On Your Radio on there. Because, honestly, yeah. that's so- it's like that is the kind of classic-level song, almost like without her, where it's just like the second that you hear it, I feel like I've heard this before, like this is enshrined in ha- songwriting halls of fame almost, right? Mm-hmm. It's gotta be. It's, like, that good and that clean and that... Sin- and the fact that he drops that on this fucking album means that he's giving a little bit more consideration than fucking jokey jerk off kind of thing. Right. It's a weird fucking record. Which I think, I think honestly, <sighs> I think the, uh, you know, we have to remember that it was a two-sided LP, so there was a break in the middle, but I feel like sort of he put the best things in the middle on purpose, it almost feels like, to be like, here's some jerk off jokey shit that I have, like, it's Son of Schmielsen. Mm-hmm. I'm putting Schmielsen in the title, so I'm clearly not taking it totally seriously. Yeah. Right. But he wasn't gonna not put on the great songs that he had written in this period. Of and course. I feel like yeah. that's why you get those other yeah. moments. And we were talking earlier, even though I do like Ambush, it is also kind of a reworking of going down yep. in a weird mm-hmm. way. Yep, I, that kind of comes up a lot. But I just like it, though. And that's the thing. The personality that he puts out here on here is so wild and so consistent and just so defiantly out there weird that, for me, it holds a lot more purpose then Pandemonium, then Harry. That's like the biggest thing for me. I know it's not going to be number one. Make no mistake about it. But Son of is one of my one of my favorite albums. And of his. that in that case, unless you want to get back to the point, I mean, it depends on how strongly do you I feel think about the point. I think the point's better than all three of those. 
You think you you think so? I the point. I don't. All three. I, I really like the point. I don't know if it's better than all of the three. Yeah, uh, okay. I do. I well, great. <laughs> okay, so so are we they're, they're very in agreement in general that this not. section is sure? Yeah. Uh, Pandemonium, Harry, The Point, and Son of Schmielsen. I would agree with that. Yes. yes. We're between these yeah. four? Yes. yes. I would and agree that's with what that. we're arguing. Absolutely. Okay. I would go, personally, I mean, just everybody throw it out. Yeah, but yeah, please, please, please. Uh, last, Son of The Point, Pandemonium, Harry. So Harry would be your number three? Uh, I think, or I guess Harry would be number one. Let's start, like, the, the go, going up. Going up. So starting at number six. Yeah. Probably be... I guess let's say the point son of Pandemonium Harry. JC? It's so weird because like during the week I was listening to this stuff and this this whole middle section I was like, oh, I actually like this one better than this one. Wait, no, I don't. And now you're sitting down with it. Yeah, I feel like the whole... The whole week was like that, except for the top Fuck, two. Dude, I like um, Pussycats the most today. Yeah, which is why I was surprised when everybody's like, everybody's yeah. like, oh, I don't yeah. care about Pussycats. I'm like, wait, wait, we don't care about Pussycats. Yeah. What? 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 Yeah. what? Yeah. what? <laughs> and maybe if I listen to Pussycats later tonight, I'd be like, no, I'm a fucking idiot for wanting that at number yeah. thirteen or whatever. So you're six five four three. Uh, Shadow Show, Schmielsen, Harry, and then the point. Okay, so my six five four three would be. Shadow Show, Harry the Point Schmielsen, son of Schmielsen. I would say my six five four three would be Harry, probably Pandemonium the Point son of. Sounds like Pandemonium is. Yeah, it's probably gonna be the the loser yeah. of the bunch. I know, here's the thing: if we it, go ahead, if we throw Pandemonium at six, I think we can maybe do that as a group, maybe. I'm sure. I just think that at least, like, last thing I'll say about it, at yeah. least as far as the point, I don't think the point is as, even though it's a good-sounding album, I, like, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. I just don't... You don't have anything, like, over. I kind of find it, like, to be kind of, like, the king of limbs of the material, where it's, like, it's, like, it's kind of inessential in the larger story. I don't think he really did much to, like, develop off the stuff that he was I doing. I totally disagree. Like, well, how does it come I, back again? Like, most I, of it, he kind of abandons everything he did in the point yeah, before but, coming back, whereas I think Harry but, still but, has more to do with Son of Schmilson in the later records. But everything than, he does on the point, he does so For the sake well. of the point. Like, I mean, and he's making a soundtrack the, for an animated movie. Even the music movie. that's under the narration yeah. I love. Like yeah. it's, it, it's well, just like, like instrumental, instrumental versions groups. of the other songs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but but he also adds like little tiny do, like do, 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 production do, do, touches, do, like sort of the weird synth stuff you were talking do, 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 about earlier. John. Like he'll have a like, flute recreate the vocal melodies. Yeah, like, like I don't know. I yeah. I just think it's it's more a more complete album than the other three, and it has me in my era, which is one of his best pop songs. Yeah, and most unique actually in a lot of ways. Yeah, so. Well, listen, I think we're all going to have to give up a little something in order to make this podcast move on and mosey. That's the biggest thing here. I'm willing to do that, certainly, on a couple different points. I would say, at the very least, maybe we can all maybe put Pandemonium at six. I don't think anyone's really fighting hard for Pandemonium, right? Can we at least do that? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think you're getting outvoted. I think Son of yep. Schmilson seems yeah, like a pretty yeah. good number yeah. six, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, Pandemonium at number six. That, Love it. So. Great. Fantastic. All right. Hey, remember cool. that time you said Bad was better than Thriller? Yeah. <laughs> remember that? I, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> and you know what? I regret that hey, so much. <laughs> <laughs> Nope. Maybe you sure you're not making a regret right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the fucking no, Harry. I mean, let's do Pandemonium Thriller. Let me assure you, 
Pandemonium Shadow Show is not anywhere near. I don't have anywhere near the kind of attachment, and I don't think I ever will. Pandemonium Thriller? No, I mean, let's put it there. (laughs) Wait, John Harvey, are you just being difficult again just to make the podcast more interesting? I'm just, I'm kind of more confused. No, we can put it there. I'm just kind of confused on that one because that one's like still in the middle of growing on me, even though I have a much longer connection with the album Harry. So I would still think, and I still think it's a a really important album. Yeah. And I think Harry's, I like Harry more than Son of Schmielsen, so. Yeah. Well, listen, if we has to be, and again, we're putting it up here, we're at the top five. I would love it nothing more in life if Son of was at fucking number three, but you know what, if it's going to be mean, the way it is. that's where I'm putting it. You yeah. are? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, so, I mean, if we want to, because John Harvey okay. has been talking about the point for a long time. We can put so the point at number five. I am fine putting the point at number five. I would agree. As you long think as. Harry's better than the Harry? No, I don't no. think Harry is better than the point, but. Neither do I. I'm fine with putting the point here and then putting Harry next. Then if we can Son put Son of Schmilz in sure. it. We'll do it. All right, cool. In that case, let's go ahead here. Are in we, terms are we of, all yeah, okay with I, this? I think I like those uh, two because I think they're the two. Son of and Harry are two tougher albums that are more rewarding once you get in there. And I think also Son of Schmilson is really important for everything that comes after that. Yes, I would I think it's like pretty defining. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty defining for yeah. like later and yeah. Harry. Yeah, I would agree with that. And the thing yeah, is honestly. that I, I I will say, and the one thing about you guys being on this podcast is that I like you guys because you are veterans of this podcast. You are not afraid to be goddamn opinionated. I appreciate that. I also love that we can talk this out too. But for those at home, that is number seven, Sandman. That is number six, Pandemonium. Number five, The Point. Number four, Harry. Number three, Son of Schmielsen, which means it is down to the pop titans. It is down to Ariel Ballet and Nielsen Schmielsen. It's the kind of the overt pop choices, but guys, the fucking songs on these goddamn I mean, albums. Like, holy shit. Yeah. In both in both cases, honestly. Let's two, just two, not, two completely different albums. Right, right, right. Yeah. And let's not even talk about ranking anything. I just want to talk about them in chronological order. Let's start with Ariel Ballet. Let's just talk about so, it. So Ariel Ballet was my kind of breakthrough Nilsson record. I remember okay. when we I remember me and JC, we the our girlfriends at the time were both attending Northern Michigan University, so we yep. both drove up there, and while they were in class, we're like, "Oh fuck it, like, want to go? Let's go record shopping on there." <laughs> yeah, I, yep. remember the Actually, story. I remember the story. We went to a small record store in Northern Michigan, where some guy just sold basically his entire Nelson collection. Yeah, no. oh. What happened was we we were like. I don't know, somehow we got talking about Harry, I don't yeah. know how, but like we were looking through his stacks of records. Because we were talking, we were talking so about Herb like, Alpert, and he's like, well, if you like old shit, I got it. What happened was we asked if he had Nielsen, and then he's like, his eyebrows went up, he's like, you want Harry Nielsen? And he's like, I didn't think anybody was interested in that. And he literally fucking just brought out, like, I don't know if they were first pressings, but they were early. definitely early pressings, like, Perfect condition, Harry oh, Nielsen wow. records. Oh, most and, of them yeah, too. Yeah, um, like the point it had like the booklet in it, like oh, it had like a storybook wow. in it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Did yeah. you get the point? I, I snagged Ariel Ballet, yeah. and I forgot what the other one was. Uh, I got Pussycats. I got Pussycats. <laughs> of course, <laughs> you fucking. I think you did also snag a little touch hey, of Schmilson because it was like three bucks. Yeah, 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 dude. He like he had most of it, like other than like the really big ones. But I think he had like Knilson and uh, Harry on there, which I now regret not taking. Yeah. But they, yeah. uh, yeah. So that was kind of the first one on that I, I ever got into. And also just, I think it's just this, 
it's just like such a wondrous kind of like um, whimsical whimsical kind of album and isn't it'll be a weird comparison again because we're full of them I'm full of them they uh that like it kind of reminds me in a very offhand way of off the wall because you know how like Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones just got done working on like the whiz and so yeah. I feel like off the wall has lots of like whimsical strings and arrangements going on there that okay. kind of get understated and I think this one has like a similar type of whimsy where it seems like it fits to its own universe and it's like mm-hmm. almost kind of like Wizard of Oz ish or there totally it goes. Yeah. so yeah that's the thing about Pandemonium Shadow Show is that it sounds like Harry Nilsson wanted to do Sgt. Pepper. And yeah. As well, I read one review today talking about he's basically trying to be John Lennon and Paul McCartney at the same time. Yeah. Which is why they loved him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, and then when you get to Ariel yeah. Ballet, it really feels like... Harry. Harry... Not just Harry, though. Harry has taken all of the best parts of late 60s pop music and internalized them and then regurgitated this near-flawless, like, late 60s pop album. Like, this is about as good as it gets for Mm -hmm. the late 60s. Pretty fucking close. Before you're getting into, like, real, true rock and roll. Yeah, this is, like, the end, too. Like, 68 is kind of when things are starting to shift away from this. Exactly. And so, you know, he does... I, I think it's... Said goodbye to me almost feels like it's like a Bowie impression. His like vocal <laughs> yeah, delivery on yeah, there, like this, yeah. And then when you get like, "Don't leave me," it, it's, it starts and you think it might be a ballad, and then he gets into that chorus, and it's like <laughs> honestly some of the best vocals he's ever laid oh, to God. tape. I, I, so, like, because I told you like I got really into like Bossa Nova, and this is like I, silly for a weird yeah, ninety yeah, for a late sixties yeah. album like that. He still do. Well, I guess Bossa Nova still went oh. to seventy one, but like yeah. it's just like the songs like "Don't Leave Me." Like once it gets to that shuffle, totally. and he says that thing, it's just it's so smooth. Like you mm-hmm. kind of like you're in, you're sucked. It's like and like you feel like you're you feel like you're like on the highway with the top down. Yeah. Like Rarely the moment the that kicks in the yeah. But then he's also like unafraid to still be his fucking whimsical Tin Pan Alley self. Honestly, the song that surprised me the most was fucking Bath this week. Yeah. A song about That's when like... you're you're out for some strange tale, you're like, oh shit, I got a job, I need to clean myself up. That interval that shut that is okay. That That's is awesome. my that is is and has been my favorite Nilsson song for a while. It's just the one that gets me the most yes! excited. You know, it also got, it also started my lifelong obsession with like because you don't really hear songs that short, but I'm just obsessed with songs that are like under two minutes. Like it's perfect. It has all these parts. Each line is like only two verses before it does the second verse, and the chorus, and the pre-chorus. And the Minute fifty seconds yeah. done. Yeah. One forty-seven. Yeah. We're out. Yeah. Like yeah. and it's like it's like a full fucking song yeah. in a minute yeah. forty-seven. Yeah. It's, it's like, like brilliant. It's like the letter or something like that. I mean, he was a fucking pro at that style of songwriting. I I just was looking at the numbers of it, and a full two-thirds of his discography is under three minutes. Like, he just doesn't... Like, and then... On his later stuff, my favorite songs are all, like, the five-minute, seven-minute <laughs> experiments. But, yeah. like, on these early records, he just, he gets in and gets out. Like, I think that's why these pop songs are so effective is because there's no fat. Yeah. And that's the thing about Ariel Ballet as an album is even, like, some of the weaker tracks on there, 
they're two minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. So even if it's not your favorite, like it's it. still like a solid melody, and then it's over, and you move on to something that's I mean, incredible it, it, consistently. We, next we, to the Beatles, I mean, like, you we, know, we, he was like one of the best at, at doing that. We also yeah. need to talk about Everybody's Talking. Yeah. Just that vocal performance. <laughs> also, uh, that's the like greatest of all time. And also, how long it took shit. me to realize <laughs> that when he does that sustain note, like yeah. the wall. Like, it's like, I'm pretty sure it's like 20-something vocal takes layered onto it that you can't recreate. Like, you just can't do that. The string section has, like, that one sustained note that goes through, like, the whole song. Mm -hmm. Like, that... They must have like, either looped it or had a couple different string players that were just doing, like, yeah. just sawing yeah. back and forth. The and orchestration is so And dope. aerial yeah. ballet is the perfect name for it because he's an acrobat. Yeah. He's a vocal acrobat. Absolutely. He's doing, he's all over, all the, over the record. Yeah. All over the record he's doing vocal acrobatics. This is his best, like, this is his best record vocally, yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. But, I, without a doubt. Like, just, just as a showcase for what he could do. But, like, I remember also you guys talking about one of the worst things in history was that documentary about the Eagles and them talking about <laughs> Oh no, worst thing, no, I recommend everybody watch it because it's fucking terrible. And how and it's, amaz to... it's amazing. If you, it's like if you hate the Eagles, you'll hate them even because more. Because it's like, it's the most awesomely uninteresting documentary I've ever watched. Like, they think it's like this cool story and it's not, and it's amazing. And you're talking about how, like, they told these stories of how these song titles came about. You know, like, they're describing... Like, I was driving down the highway with Don Henley and all of a sudden he just starts flooring it to 90, 100, 110, and I look at him like, hey, Don, what are you doing? And he just turns to me and says, life in the fast lane. Life in the fast lane. So I think about that, and then I think about the story that goes into the making of one. How fucking Harry was on a phone call, and he heard the fucking dial tone, the beep, and he just started like pounding it out, this bing, 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 and then he just went from there. Because he's sitting alone yeah, yeah. in his house listening yeah, to a, a dial, dial tone. He's like, wow, that's the saddest dial tone ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and the fact that that's the inspiration for this fucking, like, barely one note fucking song, and it turns into this one of his most covered, most iconic, incredible yeah. things, hashtag 3 I mean, and he, he does, yeah. like, in his defense, I, I talked a little earlier, it might even be before, before the we pod. Yeah. yeah, it was before we were recording. But I was saying how, like, the Three Dog Night version. They fucking knock it out of the park. They take that song and they explode that ending. And yeah. he does a decent job of that. Like he heads in that direction, mm -hmm. but he doesn't. He doesn't bring it home. Right. And but he also wrote the song. He, also, yeah. he wrote the goddamn song. And I think it's so funny that 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 this is one of the last things we're mentioning about this record. Yeah, because it's like his it's most like, famous composition, yeah, you know, probably. I would argue, yeah, because all his other big hits, aside from Coconut, were fucking covers of other yeah, people. Which is ironic. Bad Finger, Fred Neil. Yeah. I think just for novelty's sake, you might find more for Coconut. I think like you can okay. probably yeah, come yeah, across yeah. it in the middle of nowhere. Or like a like fucking Muppets You're on vacation, you're in yeah. Florida with your family, I bet somebody will put up Coconut if you go to like... Totally. Or if you grew yeah. up with like the 90s Coke ads, put the lime in the Coconut. Okay, so <laughs> Maybe that's where it came from. I remember Coconut being sung, like, on the playground. Yeah. Like, uh, children right. being like, I mean, the coconut, and then they, yeah. like, no, let me get their bodies all around. Yeah. Well, dogs. weirdly enough, <laughs> yeah, also, yeah. Also, Coconut, I don't know if you know this about that song, that appears on an album called Nielsen Schmielsen. 
And that is it. The biggest thing is that first off, he brings in Richard Perry, outside producer, someone who's not necessarily a whimsical pop Which person. was very important, though. Yes, exactly. Very important. Because Harry is basically, as we've learned through his discography, he's not a good editor. He will just put songs out there for whatever fucking reason. Well, and he also, I mean, when we were talking about, what was the, the Beatles cover that he put out? Like four weeks later. Oh, uh, she's leaving home. So she's yeah. leaving home came out basically four weeks after fucking Sergeant Pepper's came out. Right, and yeah. so yeah, I think that was the the point is that he does vocal takes really quickly, as we see on Touch of Schmielsen in the Night when yeah. there was no experimentation whatsoever. He just recorded his vocals and that was it. And part of why Coconut is so good is because. The producer that he brought in was like, "You should do voices." Yeah, like the she original, really the, considered before. the first recording was just him just singing the song straight through, and he was like, "But you have all these characters, like yeah. let's bring them to life." And that's why that song is so iconic. Let me yeah. get this it's straight: because <laughs> of all the the different like fun switches that it yeah. does. And he later perfected that on the Flying Saucer song. <laughs> they um, <laughs> quite as successful. But yeah, so Nelson Schmilson, ultimately his most popular record, ended Easily. up nom- nominated for Album of the Year 71, Best Male Vocal Performance and Packaging, three, if I'm not mistaken, or Engineering, and one Best Male Vocal Performance for the song Without You, his which only is one. one of the greatest vocal takes on recording Literally. in history. It's yeah. one of the yeah. most okay. impressive things you will ever listen to. I feel like even like 50, 100, maybe 100 years from now, if somebody's like, as far as the history of recorded music like what's some of like the amazing vocal performances you'd find like some Freddie Mercury shit and and without you which was yeah. also <laughs> if you the documentary you believe for Richard Perry recorded in one take yep yeah like that's like after they had an argument or something yeah, yeah. they were like, they, they, they like, was about to fight maybe part yeah. ways as his producer because they were Harry was trying to take control of the record and was like yeah. pulling control from Richard who's like the one agreement I had was like I'm gonna lead this project yeah. and he's like well I lied yeah. and then like they're like they're kind of about to argue when they're like oh shit we gotta be in the studio now to record this vocal take for without you and they just paid drove over to there walked into the booth and recorded that take yeah, yeah. which is oh. actually amazing but the thing about it is that like a lot of people will still come back to this because this is for a lot of people the album where it like Harry became it first off he embraces rock music which is not something he really did like there was Rainmaker off of Harry like there was a couple like moments Can't that were kind of that maybe like the yeah. ending of of River Deep Shore. Yeah. But, yeah, like, sure, he, he'd sure, never sure. done something like uh, Jump Into the Fire, which is, like, an yeah. actual rock guitar workout. That's a classic. Absolutely fucking incredible. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's so... Is like the coolest it's an original. Ever. It's yeah. a totally original rock song. I mean, I think even by today's standards, also, you take artists like LCD Sound System, borderline, like, the template for, like, about half of Sound Seriously. of Silver. Yeah. Well, especially, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Jump Into the Fire, also, it's the first time where I'm like... It, it, not first time, only time in his whole discography where I'm like, this is a little Zeppelin-y. Yeah. Like, full yeah. psychedelic, Definitely. all the reverb on the vocals, yeah. and then yeah. he yeah. just kind of... Yeah, and so he's singing the shit out of it, and then just they just let the guitars go. Yeah. And so about that song, like I mean, like you've got like also because Nilsson had like some of the best top quality studio musicians. You've got you know Jim Gordon doing this insane drumming. You got Herbie Flowers on there, and to tie 
that into the hip-hop thing. See, Jim Gordon played on a track produced by Richard Bodkin Perry, who also was a songwriter for Nilsson. You know the white gray-haired dude in the documentary? They made a song, produced an album by the Amazing Bongo Band, or the Incredible Bongo Band, which had a song called Apache, which Apache became the most sampled song in hip-hop history. Uh Features drums by Jim Gordon, who plays on most of this album and Without You, and the bass player, I mean, uh, Jump Into the Fire, and the bass player for Jump Into the Fire was the same person that played the bass line for Take a Walk on the Wild Side by Lou Reed, which was then sampled by Tribe Called Twet. <laughs> Tribe Called Quest. <laughs> Tribe Called Twest. So it's just like seven, seven degrees of... Uh... Yeah. Long story Nilsen. short, Harry Nilsson is a very hip hop, a very hip-hop dude <laughs> you know, when you break it down. You had a moment with Ariel Ballet. I have a feeling, if I were to guess, uh, Nielsen Schmielsen is your number one, just of the sheer number of getting out of bed songs. Uh, per- it, it pretty much. <laughs> I, I know you said you don't think it's perfect. I think it's, gotta get I think it's a pretty close to perfect album versus mm-hmm. the only song that I don't think is as ultra high quality is maybe let the good times roll. Yes, yeah, definitely, about definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, like genuinely fun, I'm so surprised. Kind of yeah. just, you know, there I I'd actually like to talk about the first half of this album. Please. I mean for me it's all about gotta get up. Yeah. Uh, I I fucking it's almost love like Beatles esque. It's almost song. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And the way there. the way it kicks in too is is like on the record the piano part is actually kind of mixed very low. Mm-hmm. So when that bass comes in, yeah. it fucking pounds. I remember this because I this was the first like Harry Nielsen record I had. Like I heard, I think I heard Jump Into the Fire somewhere, and I'm like, okay, I gotta get this fucking record. Mm-hmm. And I just remember I had like I turned it up really loud because I thought the piano was real low. Yeah. And then when that bass came in, <laughs> fucking like practically blew out my speakers, and it was just like a completely mind blowing experience. Um, I I this thing's a masterpiece. I'm, I agree with John that Let the Good Times Roll is maybe like the only like It's not like, a bad song. It's good. It's yeah, just, but it's just like, they it could have you're, you're talking all, yeah. about some absolutely Look brilliant what it's surrounded material. by. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's surrounded by like the three best songs in his catalog. Early in the morning. Yeah, like that's the, so early chill. Like, here, right? Early in the morning. Early also, the, like, what, the people yeah. that I used to, some of the people I used About to party you. with in college. Oh, luckily, right, a couple of them were into classic rock, uh-huh. and that was my morning after drinking. Because when I drink heavily, I can't sleep in, and so I always wake up between like six and eight a.m. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I would always like wake up on there like when I still drink and smoked at cigarettes I'd like pop out on the porch put on like hungover put on early in the morning just fucking pr- or making breakfast and just in the morning can't do right just fucking like I think it's like the perfect embodiment of waking this, up hungover this is very much an album like that's sort of like a that weird part of the night yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like really late, early morning. Yeah. You know the, the album yeah, covers like, him in the fucking bathrobe. It's like, like it's dawn, you know? but but you haven't gone to sleep yet. Yeah, yeah. or it's just like or yeah. like sun's coming up right now, and you're like, yeah. oh shh, sh- yeah. Well, yeah right. but what's that one part yeah. on early in the morning when he just repeats that one phrase over and over again? Oh, the early ain't got nothing but the ain't got nothing but the ain't got nothing. It's just like what? Wait, is my record skipping? Yeah, just does like a natural another kind of hip hop move written a natural record scratch. Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, so it's one of the things where like, I mean, it's all the way straight through. I mean, of course, there's also, I mean, Coconut, I feel like it's like almost trivialized what we're talking about. Donald's the Moonbeam song. Except that, song. except that Moonbeam song is just a cheap rewrite of, isn't it Me and My Arrow? 
No, there's another one later that there's another oh, one no, no, that no, later it's, copies it's, it. It's, no, it's um fucking think about your troubles. Movie oh, song shit. is the same chord structure and tempo and very similar melody to think about your troubles. Off of the point. Just kind well, kind of a yeah maybe I don't know I need to listen to that. I still now. love the movie. I, I think so. I, I mean prefer, I, don't get me wrong I, I like it. Prefer, yeah. I, love, I like, like think about your troubles way more. Um, I they're pretty close. I'm definitely more on Moonbeam. It's not as good as Moonshine Band. I will say, dude, that's da- down is underrated. I think da- like the vocal down, take on down. down yeah. Like, down, down, the, I mean, the vocal take sells that song. It honestly, is. I don't yeah. think the song itself is It's not is like that. the greatest song in the world, but that vocal, vocal take is unbelievable. Absolutely. I also <laughs> think that second half of like the, the party side of Coconut, I think, is ridiculous. I don't think it gets enough credit, because you, you know... You the or, or when he does, like, the like just like when it like picks up the drums it's like god it's such a gnarly jam and you can realize how important it was to have an outside producer of this ilk too someone that can like fully expand realize that every song needs a different texture needs a different sound to it too and that's the one thing about this album is that even though it's clearly a hairy album like all the way straight through it is like so many different feels and emotions I mean it really you can really tell that he needed a producer and it like I wish that he'd had one I wish that, that he'd had one that wasn't John Lennon yeah. <laughs> later in his career yeah they, um, John was a bad influence I mean it's very focused record compared to like a lot of the other ones particularly the later ones I also like, like I also think the songwriting is like it just I, I just think the lyricism is also just super fucking tight I just think there's like really a lot to latch on there I think I'm not sure if it's necessarily the funniest album on like of, like the most humorous one but I think it's like the most per- strongest personality of it like I think like like driving along even though like you think it could be like a cheap critique but there's just something so fun and engaging about that like um yeah. Yeah, I think it just yeah, yeah I it, love it. it feels like you're kind of in the car with Nilsson. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. listen, guys, we're like coming up on the hour mark though, so I think it's time to ask the question though. Number two, number one. Fuck. I mean, like, I have a feeling there's a lot of different opinions about it. Just out of curiosity, Harvey, if you had your if you had your druthers, what would your number two and number I one think be? to be honest, I think we may all be already be in the same opinion. I mean, might be, number, but I want to see. Yeah. I think I would have to go Ariel Ballet two Schmilson one. JC agreed. Darren. Okay, so that's what I was saying going into this yeah. this discussion. I feel like kind of swapped them, and I think Ariel Ballet might be my number one, but. I'm not gonna fight at all. Yeah, if that's I mean, dude, it's like you don't really like good old desk, though. Or okay, do you? I mean, no, I don't like good old desk. I think it's <laughs> the weakest I, song on there. I but love good old desk. desk. I think it's like one of the best songs. I, on there. But I, also, but, I think Ariel Ballet. Ha- Ariel Ballet has three more songs than mm. Nielsen Schmielsen, and I feel like they have the same number of like take it or leave it tracks. And I think Ariel Ballet just has a few more songs that. I want to listen to again, but I mean, like I yeah. said, they're both really good. They're totally consistent. I'm, I, I'm not fighting. Yeah, there is a part of me that almost wants to put Ariel Ballet, but in terms of like looking at the albums side by side, in terms of consistency, ten tracks, almost all killer. 
I think Nielsen Schmidt. I mean, it's Coconut and Without You. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. even but the thing I mean, about Coconut Without You is what brings people to the album. There's all the other songs that make you stay. Also, sure, like, yeah, I find yeah. that yeah. just before you, because I don't want to forget about it. I find I'll Never Leave You the most might be one of the most haunting songs that he ever made. Like yeah. I think, it, and he wrote a lot of breakup songs, but like that's like the one that I think is like the biggest gut punch and the one where I'm like, yeah. like when you hear about like he kind of masks some of it, and I'm like, I just like wow, like he's. He really just lays himself bare on there because it's not even totally a really pretty look either, or even super empathetic. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of it's like kind of angry and incredibly hurt, and like still like attached to this person. And I think it's like for a guy that already has amazing breakup songs, I'm amazed at how brutal it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, guys, I think that does it. I think it's time to lock it in place, guys. Number seven. Sandman. Number six, Pandemonium Shadow Show. Number five, The Point. Number four, Harry. Number three, Son of Schmielsen. Number two, Ariel Ballet. And the number one album, as we know, is the Popeye soundtrack. Make no mistake. <laughs> no, it is Nielsen Schmielsen, guys. It is number one. Uh, guys, th- that is what we have ranked. Uh, we have a lot of more opinions about it, and that is why we have a happy episode right after this. So please stick around for that. We're going to talk about things like the worst uh, Niel- Schmielsen song, or Nielsen song, however you want to say it, and a whole bunch of other things, because he's Harry, and he's got a hell of a goddamn career. Uh, in the yeah, mean- fucking life. Man. Yes. Yeah. In the yeah, meantime, though, if you please throw your thoughts on our Facebook page, we love hearing about those. If you get a chance, please do us a favor, rate us on iTunes. The more people that see ratings, the more it helps out the show, gets visibility. It's awesome. But most importantly, though, JC John Harvey, thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. This was the discuss- This is this is meant to happen. Basically, long story short, years in the making is how I would say it. Yeah, I mean, you know, always loved Harry. So yeah, hey, I remember. Th- I think I was pitching Harry probably before you even started. And honestly, I gotta be honest. Right. Like when we started, I don't think we had the maturity or the level of like ability to like do it the way that we can. Yeah. This yeah. is definitely a season three kind of thing that yeah, we have this to is do. It's kind of a tough one. It really is, but I'm glad we did it. And uh, guys, I'm glad that I hope that you post something so we can see what you think of it too in the meantime though uh, keep on listening because you know there will be have a good one good bye